Welcome to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Your host, Leonard Birdsong, is a law professor, a former diplomat, and a former federal prosecutor who's here to inform and entertain you with a mix of humor, opinion, and information. Now, here's Leonard Birdsong. Yes, it is Leonard Birdsong back with you on TalkZone.com. I'm happy to be here. As usual, I'm broadcasting from the city beautiful. That's Orlando, Florida. Warm today, no rain yet, but we'll probably get some. As you know, my show is a unique blend of humor, opinion, storytelling, and information. I'll never provide you with fake news on Leonard Birdsong Radio. Everything I talk about is real. Today... I want to do some of my criminal, dumb criminal law stories. When I say do them, I want to read some. And we're going to talk about Caitlyn Jenner, the transgender lady who wants to now run for the Senate from California. I have a guest, Glenn Peter Ollers. He's a law professor who's going to talk about intellectual property. There will be some news tidbits and some riddles as usual. And today is July... 20th, 2017. Yes, July 20th, 2017. This is the 48th anniversary of men walking on the moon. It was 1969, July 20th. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walked on the moon for the first time. How about that? Well, I know you want to hear some of my dumb criminal law stories. That's one of the features of the program. I'm a law professor myself, and I written serious articles, but I like collecting these stories about dumb criminal criminals from around the world. But before I do, I've got to remind you that today, July 20th, is also National Lollipop Day, folks. July 20th has always been Lollipop Day, and Lollipop Day allows us to celebrate and enjoy the creation of lollipops. Could you imagine how sheltered our childhood and perhaps adulthood would be if the lollipop had never been invented? It sure would be a lot but duller and probably a less tasteful world. What about Lollipop Day? Well, the original or the origins come from a fellow by the name of George Smith. He was the owner of Bradley Smith Company, and he invented and patented the lollipop in 1908. Legend has it that George named the lollipop after his favorite racehorse, Lollipop. <laughs> the Ras, the Racine Connectioners, I'm sorry, the Racine Confectioners Machinery Company claims to have created National Lollipop Day. There is a little controversy as to when the first created or who first created the automated lollipop machine. The Racine Confectionery Machinery Company claims to be the first to create a machine to automatically make lollipops. Their machine made 40 lollipops at a time. A fellow by the name of Sam Bourne of California also claims to have created the first automatic lollipop machine. This would be in 1916. <laughs> what was it called? <laughs> it was called the Bourne Sucker Machine. <laughs> After Sam Bourne invented it, the Bourne Sucker Machine. Well, what do you do on lollipop day? You should probably go out and buy yourself a bag of lollipops. Then, you know, you can share it with your friends, both adults and children. 
and have a good time. All right, you probably didn't know today was National Lollipop Day, but Birdsong is here to tell you these kinds of things. I want to read some of my dumb criminal law stories. I have some stories today that are all new that I've been working on. These stories all come from Florida today. From Florida today. They're not from all over the world and all over the United States. All of them come from Florida because Florida seems to have a lot of dumb criminals. <laughs> That's the only way I can put it. So let's start out here. First story from Florida. Headline, almost naked as a jaybird. It has been reported that Alexandra Pablos, 26, got most of her jail jumpsuit caught in the fence while escaping from the Orange County Jail early this month, according to officials. Thus, when a police dog wrestled her into submission, she was wearing only a bra, panties, and a jail ID card around her neck. She is now safely back in the Orange County Jail with a new charge of prison breach. The next story, headline, a terrible shot in the groin. We learned that a Florida man could be jailed for accidentally shooting himself in the penis. Cedric Jeltz, 38, of Jacksonville, Florida, ran to the bathroom of a stranger's home after he sat on his gun in his car and the gun went off. The homeowner followed Jelks, saw that he was wounded, and took him to a hospital where Jelks underwent surgery. We learn that Jelks may now face jail time for possession of a firearm because of his 2004 felony conviction for cocaine possession. As most of you know, convicted felons are not allowed to carry or own firearms. A terrible shot in the groin, said the headline. <laughs> These stories never go away, folks. Ugh, said the headline, from butt to mouth. Ugh, from butt to mouth. A woman charged with heroin possession gained more charges when jailers found a bag of meth in her butt, according to authorities. Her name, Summer Adamson, 30 years old, was originally put under arrest a few weeks ago after police found a syringe and heroin in her car. As she was being booked into jail, Adamson pulled the baggie from her hindquarters and put it in her mouth, but not fast enough for Collier County Sheriff's deputies to miss it. Another charge was added, possession of meth. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Another story from Florida. The headline for this one read, quote, 9-11 crime ring. A man who authorities say called 911 nearly 100 times in one day has been arrested. Clearwater, Florida police said a Facebook post that Michael Mott posted indicated he called the department 98 times using two phones in mid-July, that's just a few days ago, in an attempt to get money seized during a drug arrest in January. Mott was charged with making hara harassing telephone calls, and he has not gotten his money back that had been seized by the police. Our next story from Florida, the headline, Fake it until you make it, not. 
A man pretending to be a police officer was arrested when he tried to pull over a woman who turned out to be a real-life police officer. Milton Perez, 46 years old, allegedly rolled down the window of his Ford Mustang, flashed a fake silver badge, and ordered Miami police officer Kenya Falat to stop her car. Falat, who was driving an unmarked police car, promptly charged him with impersonating an officer and false arrest. Yeah, that one is pretty funny, isn't it? All right, next story. <clears throat> the headline to this one read, Need a lift? It appears that a Florida man was tired of walking, so he stole a $38,000 forklift and drove it to his home in Port Orange, Florida. We learned that this was not Bradley Barefoot's first forklift heist. He also stole one a year ago in Daytona Beach, officials report. He just does not learn his lesson, does he? All right, enough of the forklift heist. Okay. This one, this next story from Florida, is has a headline that says, The Lord Works in Mysterious Ways. We read that two friends now laugh about their unlikely first meeting in 2013. That's how the story starts. In that year, 2013, one was robbed, or when one robbed the other at a Florida gas station, there was a run arrest made. Blake Walker spent three years in prison for the $198 gunpoint stick-up of Tristan Gibson in St. John's, Florida. When he was released from the Who's Gal, Gibson found him on Facebook and wanted to give him hell. Instead, they became friends, talking daily about their similar battles with substance abuse. Quote, I think we were meant to cross paths, Gibson says. She goes on to say, our higher power works in mysterious ways. How about that one? It wasn't that funny. Okay, we're going to move on here. Here's another story from, okay, another story from Florida, folks. It's called, the headline read, Four Loco Blackout Trouble. You've heard of this stuff, Four Loco. It's a caffeinated energy drink. I guess it has some alcohol in it. Story starts with a quote. The last thing I remember is drinking a couple of Four Locos. Jonathan Race, 20, told Florida police after he allegedly broke into a Daytona Beach Marina and stole a 36-foot boat. The boat later plowed into a beach at full speed. But Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission officers said no one was found aboard. Race was later found uninjured while telling investigators he had blacked out, was rather drunk, and was just making stupid decisions. He certainly did. Drinking for loco is one of the stupid decisions. The next story, the headline reads, Crash Bang. 
A Florida man had hidden himself from police in the drywall above a shower. That is, until it gave way and he came crashing down onto the bathroom floor. The man, who had several felony convictions on his record, was being chased by police when he bolted into a woman's apartment in Winter Haven, Florida, sparking a search with a police dog. He hid, of course, the bathroom ceiling. He was arrested on the bathroom floor and taken into custody. All right, crash bang. Cookie Monster says the next story. That's the headline, Cookie Monster. A man was arrested for allegedly smuggling 11 ounces of cocaine in a Cookie Monster doll. Camus McNair, 39, of Key West, was pulled over by a sheriff's deputy for overly tinted windows when the deputy smelled marijuana. He searched McNair's backpack and found the heavier-than-usual doll and its contents at sheriff's deputies in Monroe County. A Cookie Monster doll with 11 ounces of cocaine. Mm-mm-mm. All right, the last story for today. From Florida, the headline, Hotsy Totsy Irony. A woman was arrested for allegedly leaving her child in a hot car. Then she complained the entire way to jail that she was too hot. Colleen Walker, 30, left her five-year-old in a hot, locked car while she shopped for 30 minutes, according to surveillance videos in the store. Quote, Walker was complaining that the back seat of our patrol car was too hot for her on her way to jail and asked our officer to turn the air conditioning up, said Daytona Police Lieutenant Dan Dietrich. This is irony at its best, folks. Irony at its best. All right, folks, those are all of the, those are all of the dumb criminal law stories I have for today. Next week I'll have some more for you. I've been working on these stories. Right now we're going to take a pause for the cause and I'll be back with you on Leonard Birdsong Radio. Stay tuned. Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and consumer debt counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to consumerdebtcounselors.org slash birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. Although he's been involved in serious criminal law work over the years as a prosecutor, a defense attorney, and a law professor... Leonard Birdsong knows that it's good to stay grounded. That means not always taking criminal law so seriously and instead just having a good laugh at some dumb criminals and their dumber crimes. Several years ago, he began to collect and compile weird and funny criminal law stories. He shares some of them weekly on his TalkZone Internet radio program. And now you can read more.
more of them yourself in one of his 14 humor books. He has two book series, Professor Birdsong's Dumbest Criminal Law Stories and Professor Birdsong's Weird Criminal Law Stories. They're available for purchase in either paperback or Kindle edition by going to the author link on the homepage at leonardbirdsong.com. Leonard knows that you'll get a few good laughs, or at least a few chuckles, from his collections of dumb and weird criminal law stories. Check them out for yourself by going to the author link at leonardbirdsong.com. Attention all civilians. You're listening to TalkZone.com. Internet Talk Radio. TalkZone.com. You're listening to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Here's Professor Birdsong. Welcome back. This is Leonard Birdsong. You know, um, I've written about uh, LBGT people with respect to those, some of them being persecuted because of uh, their gender, and I've written some articles about it. And, you know, I, I take it very seriously. I came across a story this weekend that I wanted to talk about. It's about Caitlyn Jenner. She said on Sunday that she's eyeing a run for a U.S. Senate seat in California. She said, I've considered it. I like the political side of it. She, of course, was the Olympic gold medalist reality TV star and transgender activist who we used to know as Bruce Jenner. She said all of this on a radio show on Sunday out in California. She went on to say, over the next six months or so, I've got to find out where I can do a better job. Can I do a better job from the outside, kind of working the perimeter of the political scene, being open and talking to anybody, or are you better from the inside? And we are in the process, she goes on to say, to determine that Jenner, who was, as Bruce Jenner, won a gold medal in the 1976 Olympic decathlon and came out as transgender in 2015. She worked with the American Unity Fund to educate GOP lawmakers on LGBT issues. She says, The perception of the Republican Party is that they are all about rich white guys trying to make money. I would hope in the next generation that we can change the perception of the Republican Party and make it the party of equality. That's what Jenner said. She's 67 years old now. The cultural shift, she added, should now come at the expense or should not come at the expense of deeply held conservative values. It should come along with conservative values economically. I believe in little things. Like the Constitution, I believe in limited government. I don't believe in government so much. I believe in the people of this government and country. I believe in people, not in massive government, said Jenner. As you might know, Caitlyn Jenner was married to Chris Jenner, the matriarch of the reality TV show The Kardashian Clan. Despite voting for President Trump and attending his inauguration, the lifelong Republican has said she felt betrayed when President Trump rolled back the Obama protections for transgender students to use bathrooms and locker rooms in schools. She went on to say, when you take away protection in the schools, 
To be honest with you, it's devastating to those kids. She went on to say these politicians say it is to protect their children in the bathrooms, but young people will die and they are transgendered. Suicide rates will go up. What if it was your kid? The federal government is basically saying you don't really exist. I was outspoken when Trump said that, and I should be. Now, as a resident of Malibu, California, Caitlyn Jenner would likely be running in 2018 for the seat held by Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein. Feinstein is 84 years old and has not said whether she will seek re-election. The state's junior senator in California is a young lady by the name of Kamala Harris, who was sworn in this year as a junior senator. Her term does not expire until 2023. Although I have championed the cause in some of my writings about LGBT people getting uh, asylum for being persecuted in their own countries, I just wonder, will our country vote for a transgender person to be a senator in the United States Senate? I have nothing wrong with it, but I think that Caitlyn Jenner has a long row to hoe to win that seat. But we will see. You heard this for the first time on Leonard Birdsong Radio, that the first transgender person running for the Senate will be Caitlyn Jenner, who was married to, um, to um, I can't find her name, Chris Jenner originally, who was the matriarch of the reality TV show The Kardashian Clan. So stick with us. You may hear more about that. You may have also heard today, ladies and gentlemen, that O.J. Simpson has arisen again. He's 70 years old, and he's up for parole. Now, O.J. Simpson, of course, beat a double murder prosecution in California back in 1994-95. Later in 2003, he was convicted in a robbery case where he felt people were stealing his memorabilia without paying for it. He was given a 9 to 33 year sentence in Nevada. He is in prison. He's having a parole hearing today. It is going to be televised. It's going to be televised on, uh, I think Fox News. It's going to be later this afternoon. I'm not going to watch it. I've had enough of OJ Simpson. Seemingly he will not go away. Now, again, I don't know what's going to happen in the parole hearing, but this is sort of a circus, and O.J. Simpson has been a circus since the alleged killing of his former wife, Nicole Brown, and her friend. But he beat that rap. But he's been in prison now for nine years. He's 70 years old. I just don't know why in our society people we still have to see O.J. Simpson's Parole hearing. I think it's unseemly. Personally, I hope he does get parole. Nine years for what he did in prison is probably enough. But it's my understanding that they're going to have Mark Furman, the police detective who testified against O.J. Simpson as one of the people who moderate or tell what's going on in the parole hearing, and uh, the prosecutor who prosecuted him may have some say in this. 
Marsha Clark, who was the head prosecutor, will not be involved. I'm not going to watch. Maybe you will, and if you do, I hope you enjoy it. We will see what happens. There's a good chance that he will get parole. I'm told that he has been a model prisoner for the nine years that he's been in jail. All right. We're coming up to a break here, but I want to tell you I've got a guest coming on the show. He is a colleague of mine. His name is Glenn Peter Allers, and he is a associate dean for information services at the Barry Law School in Orlando, Florida. He's been on the faculty for 15 years. He earned his law degree at Washburn University in Topeka, Kansas, and a master's degree in education for library science at the University of South Florida in Tampa, in Tampa, Florida. He has worked in libraries for most of his life. He says that since second grade, when he helped the visiting librarian shelf books on her library cart in the Dewey Decimal Order way back in second grade, that was his first foray into being a librarian. Now, we're going to talk about intellectual property because Dean Allers primarily teaches property law, copyright, international copyright, and the survey of intellectual property courses at our school, which introduces students to the laws of copyright, patent, and trademark. He's authored a number of books and several articles. He was on the editorial board of the Washington Law Journal and edited a handful of newsletters. He currently maintains two blogs. One is called Me Walls, the other Avocado Love. Although he's had many accomplishments, he's proudest of his six magnificent children. We will be back with Dean Allers in just a few moments. Stick with us. This is Talk Zone Radio with Leonard Birdsong. Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and Consumer Debt Counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to ConsumerDebtCounselors.org slash birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. You've discovered TalkZone.com, the best in Internet talk radio. TalkZone.com. You're listening to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Here's Professor Birdsong. Welcome back, folks. Glad to be here on TalkZone. It's Internet radio at its best. I have Glenn Peter Allers on the line. He's the Associate Dean for Information Services and a professor of law at the Barry Law School here in Orlando. Glenn Peter, are you there? I'm here, Leonard. Good afternoon. Well, good afternoon. Thanks so much for coming on. I've wanted to get you on for quite a while, but you have been teaching in the summer, and our schedules just did not mesh. But now I have you. I know that you are just back from a big library conference in Austin, Texas, 
How are things in the Longhorn State? Well, people said it was hot, but coming from Orlando, they don't know what hot is. So, yeah. <laughs> I bet you're right about that. I haven't spent much time in Texas, but it they say it's hot, but probably not as hot as Orlando. But let's get right down to it. You are a specialist in what we call intellectual property. And most people who know anything about it know that intellectual property might be about copyright or trademarks or patents, and maybe even trade secrets. Can you tell us something about them? Sure. Um, four different ways of protecting it. it. The intellectual property almost is something you can't put your hands on. Uh, right. Not real estate property, not uh, personal property, but something that we put together. And, and uh, four different ways. Of start with trade secret. A trade secret is something of value to an organization. It could be as simple as... Uh, a list of vendors or a list of customers or, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be gold bullion or anything like that. It doesn't have to be a secret formula, but all of those things, you know, a, a formula uh, or, like I said, as simple as a list of uh, clients that I want to go after. Mm-hmm. It can be a secret. To, to protect a trade secret, you have to keep it secret. Uh, and do it, you have to register this with the government in some kind of way? No, you don't register it, uh, but indeed you... Uh, let as few people know about it as possible. Um, uh, I guess so. Down, certainly stamp it trade secret so that anybody who accesses it knows that it's a secret. They're obligated to keep it a secret because you tell them that. And so, for example, if you've got a trade secret on how to make widgets, uh, you have to share it with your employees. Right. Uh, but your employees have to know that they only have access to it because they are employees and that it is indeed a secret and they've got to keep it a secret. And again, you let as few people know about it as possible. So well, with these employees, do they have to make a written uh, declaration that they will not reveal these, this trade secret? That would be best. Uh, indeed, that part of the employment is that you know this is a trade secret and you're going to keep it a trade secret even when you leave. Right. And uh, the question comes, how long after they leave? Uh, so look at uh, it's got to be reasonable time. You can't say. Well, I knew you. I knew you were going to use that reasonable time. <laughs> Three years, five years, ten years. What's reasonable when we talk about trade secrets, Gwen Peter? Well, it's, it's probably not five and ten, uh, but it also could be geographic. So if you say you can't practice uh, for two years in Orlando, that might be reasonable. If you okay. say you can't practice. You know, for 20 years anywhere in the United States, that's that's not going to be reasonable. Or, <laughs> that's not going to fly. If I huh? move to <laughs> Oregon, uh, maybe I can practice out there and make widgets. Uh, and that, you know, so geographically would also come into what is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let us. Let me just. Let me go to copyright and let me make the the uh, listeners understand that I have a vested interest. My, I write humor books, as you well know. You were the one who read the contract for my first humor book and told me that I should sign it and go, and I've been doing it ever since. Just tell people what is a copyright and what does it mean. Okay. Copyright is – copyright protects expression. So any author – expresses something, that is what is protected. And, for example, we used to, up until 1976, you had a 
jump through hoops, you use a little C in the circle, and you had to register, and you had to do all sorts of things. Otherwise, you didn't have copyright. Today, okay. it's very simple. If you're sitting uh, on the back of a napkin and you write a little poem, it's fixed. That means it, it's there it is. It's just a little napkin. It's just on ink. But you now have a copyright in that poem. Is that uh, what used to be called a common law copyright? Correct. Correct. And now, it, as soon as it's fixed, it is copyrighted. It is protected. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. um, it is the expression. I mentioned that it's the expression that we protect, not the idea. So uh, your listeners probably have heard of somebody called J.K. Rowling. Uh, yep. Maybe have read a few books about wizards and seen a few movies about wizards. Well, uh, you and I, Leonard, could get together and, and write all the books we want about uh, wizards. And uh, even if they went to college to become better wizards. Or maybe law school, <laughs> the legal wizards, the legal wiz. Um, and and her co her copyright is her expression, um, not the idea of wizards becoming better wizards. Um, <laughs> and same thing, we take a, a James Bond, okay? You and I could write novels about spies, and they could be aloof, and they could be uh, sexually appealing, and they could be fast with the gun, and and rye with, you know, and, and, and like their martinis, uh, shaken, not stirred, and all that good stuff. But the closer we get to James Bond, that we can't do. Um, we can have spies, but we can't. You can't them. steal someone else's ideas? Is that it? Well, no, you can take the ideas. That's what I'm saying. So the idea is a, a suave, sophisticated uh, assassin. And we could write novels with suave, sophisticated assassins. That's the idea. But... The closer we get to James Bond, then we're starting to get in trouble. And that's mm. where case law comes in. So the idea is not protected, but how the suave, sophisticated spy comes alive, that is what is protected. So it's, people should not only have a common law copyright, they should register their copyright with the Library of Congress. Is that right? Yes, indeed, because it, even if, if you, uh, the, the protections, if you register it within five years of the copyright, then you've got the presumption that it is your your product. Um, and if you go knocking on the court's door and say, you know, so-and-so just ripped me off, and that's my copyright, and they reprinted it, uh, the court's going to say, okay, you know, show me your registration. <laughs> so yeah. you're going to have to register it anyway uh, before you go after somebody. So right. you might as well register it. It's quick. It's easy. It's uh, inexpensive. You can do it online, um, and then you've got the protection from you know that that moment on. And like I said, if you want to go after somebody, the court's going to make you register it anyway. Okay. How long does a copyright last here in the United States? Well, it's now seventy years past the death of the life of the author. So, it is so my copyright would be good if I die. Well, I don't, I don't right. like to talk about dying, but if I died next year, it would <laughs> be good for 20, 70 more years, right? The, the family gets exactly the, the joys of the copyright for 70 more years after the death of the author. Okay, because I do. I hope I don't die too soon. I'm sure right. I won't, but That's right. I did plan to cede my copyright to my copyrights to my children. All the humor books I've written, I have copyrighted. All right, well, well so, it, Leonard, you got 80 more years and then 70 after that. So they got, they're good for 150 years. 
Well, good. That sounds really good. Now, are you teaching? I know you've taught international copyright. Is the copyright laws in the United States the same law we would have internationally? In many ways, yes, because the U.S. finally joined the Berne Convention, uh, which most of the world joined 130 years ago. <laughs> our feet. Um, but having joined it, that is why, uh, for example, once it's fixed, uh, we the copyright exists. Uh, we don't have to get the little C, and you don't have to register it. You don't have to jump through hoops. Um, and most of the laws are the same. They, you're protecting um, uh, works of authors. You know, uh, but where it does differ is, for example, there are some countries that perfect uh, that protect perfume under copyright. And mm. the U.S. says, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> We're not going to protect perfume. And what that means is, since we don't protect perfume in the U.S., then we're not obligated to protect perfume for anyone else. Okay. Hmm. So we have to, you know, we protect uh, books, we protect journals, we protect uh, songs, songs, absolutely, poems, all that literature. Think about it. And so we have to protect the literature of the world in the same way. There's the mm -hmm. same extent that we protect it in our country. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that when you when you when you you send your copyright or register your copyright with the copyright office in the Library of Congress, you have to send a copy of the work, and Correct. you know that's not difficult to do now because you can do it all online. But I I, I have problems understanding how you can copyright a perfume. How can you po copyright a smell? Well, that, <laughs> that's why <laughs> that that's why we don't. You know, it's it's. Uh, we're sitting there going, okay, guys, you're going to copyright that. You have it. Um, you know, your formula, your scent, uh, but we're not going there. And, uh, <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds good. Let me now, let me ask you, can you tell us what's the difference between a patent and a trademark? Sure. Think of a patent as protecting a process um, or a business way of doing things, a process uh -huh. or a, a machine, I'm sorry, a process or a machine. So okay. a machine, something that does something, uh, a robot, a, a clutch, a, a crane, a, a something that mechanically does something, um, makes widgets or makes pancakes or makes waffles or makes toast, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. drives, you know, helps you drive a car or anything. So uh, you want to protect something that works or there's a particular process that you have that makes better tires um, because everybody making tires, but you have this process that really, you know, cures the rubber better and more quickly, more efficiently. Um, and you have a special process. So you could protect that process. So your um, patent means that other people can't steal what you do and say it's theirs. Is that correct? That is correct. When you, when you get a patent and the way you get it is you have to, it's the opposite of a trade secret because to get a patent, you have to tell the patent office exactly what it is that your machine does and how it does it and why your – how your mousetrap is better than all the other mousetraps out there. Because mm -hmm. if all you have is another mousetrap, well, that's not different enough. That's It's just another mousetrap. And there's <laughs> no mousetraps out there. We're not going to give you a patent on it. But, oh, you have a streamlined, you know, digital mousetrap that, you know, is so much more efficient because of the things that you tell me. 
well, that's, that's worthy of a patent, and we will give you a patent on it. And then, so we have a patent on that, and nobody can touch our new, improved mousetrap. Now, there are special lawyers for people who want patents. They're called patent lawyers, right? Correct. Correct. These people are engineers. Is that why? Can well, you tell our audience? They certainly have a science background, um, and an engineer would be a perfect science background, a chemist. Um, anybody who really gets into hard science, which you know, Leonard, is not most of the law students. Uh, mm -hmm. Most come from social sciences. That's uh, sure. But if you have a science background, it helps because of, again, the machines that you're talking about, they do things, and they have gears, and they have widgets, and they make things whir, and they put parts together. And it might be chemistry that makes them work. It might be electricity that makes them work. So the more comfortable you are, and again, an engineer is a perfect example. The more comfortable you are in measuring uh, volumes and, and pressures and putting things together, the easier it is for you to understand how this machine works, and then it's easier for you to understand and explain to the patent office why your mousetrap is better. And okay, once you, once you get a, now let me just stop you. Once you get a patent, how long does it last? Look is it like a years. copyright where it's your lifetime no. plus 70 years? No, you look at 20 years. You've got that. You've got a window, and then so for 20 years you can license that. Uh, you can certainly sell it. It, it. Intellectual property can be sold, can be licensed, can be bundled, however you want to do it. Um, and it is only yours to do. So that particular mousetrap is yours for 20 years, and you can license other people to make the mousetraps. Now someone, because you s explain exactly how your mousetrap works, others can come along and say, ooh, that's, you know, that's, really good idea. I like the way that works. That that's better than anything out there. Let's see if we can tweak it and make it better better. All right. And if they make it better better, maybe they can get a patent on their oh. own. You know, building on yours. But again, it can't be the same as yours. It's got to be better better. Right. All right. Well, that cleared some things up for me. I didn't know that much about patents. I know a little bit about copyright, probably because of you. You told me so much about it in copywriting my own works. But what about trademark now? What about tra trademark? Tell now, us about that. Yeah, trademark is uh, protecting a brand. Um, a particular, think of soda, uh, Pepsi or Coke. You're either a Pepsi right. fan or you're a Coke fan. And it wouldn't be fair for someone to say, bring me a Coke, and to slip them a Pepsi instead. Okay? <laughs> it's, it's not fair to Coke because, you know, the, the, they lost a sale. Uh, someone asked for a Coke, and they didn't get it. And, you know, a Coke drinker might think that Pepsi is terrible, and, and, and they might say, oh, Coke is slipping. Look at, you know, it's not tasting like it used to taste. So it's not fair. And it's not fair to Pepsi. Because, well, they're making a sale. They might not complain. Um, but someone thinks they're drinking a Coke. And so trademark is set up saying you can't, you can't switch. You know, the old uh, bait and switch. Uh, right, right. I'm saying that. something else. And that's number one. And it's for the confusion. So you don't water down the value of it. If anybody could put an amber-colored... Uh, you know, bubbly, sweet concoction on the table and call it Coca-Cola, 
well, then you'd never know when you were getting the real thing. Right. And so, you know, that would water down Coca-Cola's trademark uh, and the, the value of their product. And that's what trademark is meant to protect. Well, how, well, how long does a trademark last? It can last forever. It can last uh, as long as the trademark is valued. What the mark means that I, when I look at a certain shaped bottle, even without a label on it, my brain goes Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. You see it. And as long as that connection is made, that trademark is valid. Huh. And you you can hear of people, excuse me, that's uh, going off there. Um, you hear of people, let's see, uh, examples are going to come to mind. Oh, like, uh, Xerox, right? Make a photocopier. Xerox. Right. A Xerox so, machine. Exactly. Xerox you, this for me. Everybody's Xeroxing, 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 Xeroxing. All Xeroxing is is photocopying. And so you can lose it if you don't say no, you know, go make a photocopy of it and use the Xerox machine. <laughs> because <laughs> in people's mind, it's not Xerox doesn't mean a machine to me anymore. Does it just mean getting two, two copies of something when I used to have one copy of it? So you can lose a trademark if you don't keep the distinction in the consumer's mind. All right. Well, Glenn Peter, thank you so very much. Our time is limited here. It's so good to talk to you. I'm glad you could come on. I think our listeners know a little bit more about intellectual property than they did before. I'd like to have you back maybe at a later time, okay? Absolutely. My pleasure, Leonard. Always great to talk to you. All right. Same here. Thanks. Okay, listeners, you know something about intellectual property? Stick with me. There's more to come. We've got some news tidbits coming up in our next section and some riddles. This is Leonard Birdsong Radio here on Talk Zone. Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and consumer debt counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to ConsumerDebtCounselors.org slash Birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. Are you considering law school? Then you probably have tons of questions about the application process, the admissions process, the benefits of a legal career, and what it takes to succeed in law school. You'll find the answers to these questions and more in Professor Birdsong's Law School Guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Inside, you'll find helpful chapters on the history of the lawyer, why you should apply to law school, things you need to know about applying, and more. You have the ability and the drive. Now, get the advice that will guide you into the legal profession by helping you successfully submit your application to the law school of your choice. Professor Birdsong's award-winning Law School Guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Available for purchase on Amazon.com or through the author link at LeonardBirdsong.com.
Welcome back to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Yes, welcome back. This is Leonard Birdsong Radio, and I am Leonard Birdsong. We're almost at the end of the show. I have some news tidbits that I want to share with you. You know, I love to read the news, and I have some things that maybe you have heard or haven't heard. Most of them you haven't heard. Here's one from last week. Trapped in an ATM, says the headline. A worker had to make an ATM withdrawal of himself when he got trapped behind it in a Texas bank while making repairs. And he had to do so by passing a note to a shocked customer. The contractor left his cell phone and his key pass in his truck before heading for the room behind the Bank of America ATM in Corpus Christi, Texas, last Wednesday. So he slipped a note to a customer which read, Please help me. I'm stuck in here and I don't have my phone. Please, please call my boss, end quote. The customer called the police, leading to the man's rescue after two hours. Quote, we come out here, and sure enough, we can hear a little voice coming from the machine. So we're thinking this is a joke. It's got to be a joke, Officer Richard Olden said, but it wasn't a joke. They got him out of the ATM machine. All right. Our next story, maybe you heard about this one. There's been a monster iceberg that has broken away a massive sheet sheet of ice the size of the state of Delaware has broken off from Antarctica, becoming a one-trillion-ton iceberg that is one of the largest ever recorded. Now, this happened last week. I just I can't even imagine the size of this thing. The facts about this breakaway iceberg, it is one trillion tons and it covers 2,239 square miles in diameter. That's twice the volume of Lake Erie, and it's half the size of the state of Connecticut. It, the ice is roughly 620 feet thick with 277 cubic miles of frozen water or enough water to fill 460 million Olympic-sized swimming pools. <laughs> Well, the crack in the the uh, the iceberg spanned 70 miles and was 300 feet wide. They've been scientists have been monitoring this particular iceberg since January of 1995. It finally broke off in Antarctica last week. My my my, giant iceberg! All right few more news tidbits that maybe you've heard or haven't heard. Here's one that says, Breast rights are human rights. The city of Cornwall in eastern Ontario, Canada, has been hit with a formal human rights complaint over its policy banning bare-chested women at swimming pools. It has been 20 years since the province decriminalized female breast-bearing but the city's ordinance is still in place, prompting a complaint to the Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario. Breast rights are human rights, says the headlines. Here's another one. This one is from England. Thousands of wireless customers unwit- unwittedly, sorry, unwittingly signed up to clean toilets because they failed to read the fine print on a contract. 
More than 22,000 people last week inked a deal to complete 1,000 hours of community service that included scrubbing toilets at a festival in England. The Internet company, Purple, pulled the gag to illustrate lack of consumer awareness. <laughs> All right, here's another one. No texting while walking, folks. The city council in Honolulu, Hawaii, passed a bill that prohibits pedestrians from looking at their cell phones while walking. They can, however, make 911 calls. Also, emergency responders performing official duties won't face phone penalties either. Fines range from $15 to $99 for looking at your phone while walking. Be careful when you're in Honolulu. All right, we're coming to the end of these. These stories never stop. Some of you remember we had a trial for Bill Cosby ended a couple of weeks ago. There's a report here that Bill Cosby's sex abuse trial, which ended in a hung jury, cost the local government $219,000, mostly for overtime for cops, guards, and court personnel. The Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, or the town of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, in a breakdown released last week said cost included 46000 for hotel stays and 14000 for meals for jurors brought in from Pittsburgh who, to hear the case. All right, our final news tidbit is one that is sort of a poignant story. The headline says, Dad's last gift to bride. The story. A dying New Jersey judge was able to keep his lifelong promise to officiate his daughter's wedding from his hospital bed. Casey Capel, Capel, Capalco, that is Casey Capalco, 27, and her partner Stephanie were married back on April 15th by Casey's father. Monmouth Superior Court Judge Paul Capolco, I'm sorry, I can't get that name out. The judge was 62 and in intensive care unit in the West Long Branch Hospital. Paul, who had a rare cancer, did officiate the ceremony and died 12 days after. Well, that's sad, but sort of a beautiful story. His, his daughter got dad to officiate the wedding. All right, there will be more news tidbits next week. Let me end the show, as I usually do, with some riddles. Some of you may know these riddles. Some of you may want me to tell better ones, but I'm going to tell you these and see if you can figure out the first one. Why was Cinderella kicked off the baseball team? Tell me, why was Cinderella kicked off the baseball team? Think about it. You got the answer? The answer is Cinderella was kicked off the baseball team because she ran away from the ball. <laughs> All right, our next riddle, next riddle here. What do postmen do when they are mad? What do postmen do when they are mad? Can you figure it out? Well, when postmen are mad, 
they stamp their feet. What do wealthy bakers have a lot of? What do wealthy bakers have a lot of? This is our last little riddle for the day. What is it that wealthy bankers have a lot of? Well, wealthy bankers have a lot of, wealthy bakers, rather, have a lot of dough. All right, I hope you could figure out those riddles. They were sort of funny. We'll have more for you next week. As a matter of fact, I want you to listen to Leonard Birdsong Radio on Talk Zone. I'm here live on Thursdays at from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be back with you next week. Listen to Leonard Birdsong Radio. You will laugh, chuckle, and even learn something. It's been good being with you. See you next week.